And welcome to yet another episode of the Dice of Screaming Podcast. Oh, oh. Wow. That sounds a little sick. Yeah, the, the Suffering Podcast. Oh, the Suffering. Ah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, Friday. Welcome to it. And uh, it's Freeform Friday as well. So we've got some Freeform topic to rant about and ramble on. Free for all. Like ramble Friday. on, you know, from Led Zeppelin. You know. Oh, well, no, if only we were that cool. Oh, well, we can only dream. Uh, yeah, we're... we're on our best day. Yeah. I mean, we might be Coda, but we could never be like, you know, the Symbols' fourth Zeppelin album. You know, no. Physical graffiti. Yeah, we're never going to be that that awesome. Mm. We, we couldn't even, on our best day, rise to the level of Houses of the Holy. But we can ramble on, as we just proved. We can ramble on. Yeah, but you can expect no less oh, from... from- the one-ply off-brand toilet paper of gaming podcasts. Still sitting on the shelf waiting for somebody to pick it up, even in these times. <laughs> Made out of sandpaper and old wood chips. <laughs> yep. From Third Reich School Supplies. You will buy our school supplies and you will like it. Ow. Ow. Yep. Toilet oh, paper man. that leaves you with abrasions. <laughs> Uh, worse off after than you were before. Yeah, that's what we are, and you're stuck with us. So hopefully, uh, you'll stick around. Uh, we got uh, hopefully we'll drag along behind you on the the heel of your shoe uh, <laughs> you know, as you exit, clogging up the toilet <laughs> and the pipes as you try to get rid of us. All right. <laughs> yeah, we uh, certainly um, we certainly do like to cling around. So all right. So, nonetheless, uh, we got some call-ins. Uh, Joe and Jason called in. So, we're going to start off with some movie reviews and our PSA anti-drug message from Joe Richter. So, we'll be right back. So, stick around. Yo, boys, it's Joe. And, yeah, dudes, I never brought up crack. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about crack, but I'm glad to know crack is on Randy's mind. But, seriously, dudes, I am... Glad for the clarification, and Mike, dude, best of luck with the surgery, man. I hope it goes well. I'll be thinking about you. Get home, get in front of Lord of the Rings, and get well, man. Anyway, boys, peace out. Hey, guys, Jason here. Yeah, I can't defend Stallone Judge Dredd. What I will say about Stallone's Judge Dredd is they did incorporate a fair amount of stuff from the comics. They didn't do a great job at it. But you had the ABC Warrior, you had Block Wars, you had the name Blocks, you had the Wasteland. So there were a lot of neat things in there. Um, but yeah, it wasn't good. Cobra, yeah, it's not a good movie objectively, but I have nostalgia for it. And and, and it's a guilty pleasure. Um, some great quotes there in Cobra. Um, and great car, that 50 Mercury. Um, as far as Lord of the Rings, yeah, I saw them in theaters. And I bought the extended copy as soon as they came out. And... I watched all the watch them, watched listened to all the commentary tracks, yada yada yada. But you know, I grew up with Ralph Baskey and Rankin Bass. And these days, if I want to watch Lord of the Rings: The Hobbit, I watch Rankin Bass and Ralph Baskey. That that's my preferred version. So I don't know, maybe I'm just weird. Talk to you later. All right, first up there is Joe, and yep, um, Mike's going in for surgery here, but it should be all right. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I, I should. Uh... I forgot to mention that this is not a major, major uh, life-threatening event. Uh, this is comparatively minor and uh, incredibly routine. He's having his eyebrows lifted. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that was my problem. Very low, shaggy eyebrows. Yes, okay. <laughs> it was really good for glowering at people and uh, chasing off kids from his lawn. <laughs> and new gamers those, at sitting at the table. But I promise you when they're done, I'll be able to give the people's eyebrow like the freaking rock, okay? When they're done, it's going to be that good. That it's going to be like Mount Everest all over. Oh, yeah, just pow! You know. Knocking the top right off of that. Oh, or Mount yeah. Rushmore, I'm It's going to stop cars. Seriously. No, uh, it should be of no consequence. Uh, I, I will be fine. I might miss a show uh, owed to this because it's on a Thursday and I will probably won't be in the greatest of shape that Friday. Uh, but by the time the next Tuesday rolls around, I will be back in action. So no worries, and thank you for asking. Yep, and as uh, far as the crack there, uh, well, uh, yeah, we already took care of that, so... Uh... When you put it on the message. That's what I, we I've carefully about. disposed it. I've carefully disposed of it. All right, and then, the most uh, painstaking and, and careful of conditions. And then uh, there's uh, Jason. Yeah, also Jason. Yep, uh, still talking about the Judge Dread episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, they got a lot of. I think that they uh, dealt pretty well in that. It, it did show that part of the pain of watching Judge Dread is they did. Uh, it was. Easy to tell that they love the material, but, you know, I think it suffered more for having Stallone in it. Hollywood is a devil's brew, okay? You wind up with a lot of elements included in any creation that you may not have expected. Uh, Out of the gate, you could tell that in the writing, that at some point when they drafted this, uh, flaws and all, there were still some tidbits in there that indicated that they knew the original material and somebody tried to bring as much of that in as possible. Uh, And then, obviously, per usual, Hollywood does what Hollywood does, and it haired off in some other directions. And ah, I'm not sure Stallone had a a real feel for the part, and, you know, not to mention direction, not that great. Uh, uh, So, yeah, it was a confluence of events, like pretty much every film. So I'm not going to give it any worse... I'm not going to give it any worse treatment than I would give anything else. There are so many other products of that time period that had an incredible amount of promise to appeal to gamers and comic fans and nerds of all stripes, and they reached for something and missed. So, yeah, that was just kind of par for the course back in the day. Could not be helped. But no worries. Um. Well, yeah, and, uh, of course... Uh... You know, with, uh, as far as the Ralph Bashke, Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, I'm not not going to parse on that, parse words on that one. I'm just going to say it. it. It's all right. I mean, it was for the time. It was what you had. And, you know, you didn't, versus reading the books, I'd probably take reading the books than watching Ralph Bashke. But if I had to watch it, yeah, I would. But uh, oh, it brings back memories of when I was about uh, 12 or 13, you know, and those are pretty fond memories. I remember yeah. seeing that and going, this is so cool. This is the best ever. I'm so down for this. Uh, late night Fox 47 running the oddball movies and stuff like that. Uh, those were the days. Uh, yeah, you know, but uh, the the Hobbit, uh, Rankin and Bass, I kind of have a soft spot for that one. Watched it in, uh, I think it was the first, no, it was third grade that we saw that. Um, it was actually being brought to you by Xerox. What? All right, I guess, you know. <laughs> Because that was still a thing. Yeah, Xerox, you know, has a lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, 
The uh, love that token expressed for nature and uh, man for his surroundings. Okay. Uh, nerds. Paper. Rules. Copiers. Yeah, well, this was Literally. 75 before any of that other oh, stuff. Oh, man, before it was even big. Yep. Well, go Xerox ahead of the curve. 75, you know, just a little bit before the curve. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I do want to mention with regard to dice systems. Oh, well, we haven't covered that one yet. So, oh. yeah, we're breaking this up into the reviews in our PSA. So, yep, stay off the drugs, kid. Uh, you'll end up that's like right. me and Mike. So, that's all we have to say. <laughs> um, all right. Largely so, harmless, but hilarious. As Mike so alluded to, Jason also has some uh, words about our last one about the hardworking die six. So, take it away, Jason. Hey, Jason here. Good episode on the other dice, like D6 and all. I. I do think it's important to mention the Tunnels and Trolls does predate Traveler by a good two years. So that's, you know, just just, just want to say that because, um, you know, I had to. As far as systems, yeah, I agree with the D percentile makes, you know, the nice, although you can do D percentile, of course, with D20s like we did back in the day, right? When you had the just a little plus symbol next to the numbers before they actually put teens like, you know, 15, 16, 17 on there is just a five with a plus. Um, so you can, def but you can definitely do that. So really you'd have two D20s and, and do all that, um, which is the, the proper way to do it. Um, not saying that you're doing it wrong. The other thing I want to mention, I will do on my next message. The other system I've seen lately that I really like is Blackjack Roll Under, which is a roll-under system, so you'd use it for D percentile or D20 system. So say I have a skill 35, and you, you want to have a minus 15 to the roll. Well, all you do is, if you roll you know, over 35, you fail, and if you roll 1 to 15, you fail. So, you're trying, so you just need to roll between those two numbers. And then the closer to get 35, the better the success is. 35, you know, or maybe a 30, 35 would be a crit success, depending on what you want to do. And then if you have to compare roles, you have, you know, two people comparing roles, whoever rolls highest wins. If they both fail, then whoever rolls highest wins. If they both succeed, then whichever has a bigger margin of success, and you just count that by the number. So if I roll 25 and you roll 26, you're one more margin of success than I am. So it's a really simple, easy system that I'm really I'm really liking right now. I should give a quick shout out to Gallant Knight Games, who are the people that are publishing things using you know a similar system like I just described, um, designed by Diego. You have things like Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells, Dark Streets and Dark Secrets, and of course Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, and and those are are all really interesting games. And they all have a bunch of really cool random charts in the back. So even if you didn't like the games, they're worth it for the random charts. And those are um, you know, space games, sword and sorcery games, and urban fantasy games. Not in the order I said them to be confusing, but anyhow, talk to you later. All right, and again, thanks, Jason. Yeah, um, well, we did actually start to mention Tunnels and Trolls right at the end. We didn't omit it on purpose. It was just no, more was purely unintentional, but it's a beloved system. As we said right at the end, uh, you know, that's what you get for having a spell called Take That, You Fiend at the end. Um or in your game, but uh, that's why you got put at the end because, well, while um, it was around, it wasn't heavily in circulation among the people we played with. Heck, I didn't even, I heard about it and I was aware of it, but I was kind of like, what's that? And, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's, a, you know. It's like, imagine if uh, somebody had uh, just looked at 
a Dungeons & Dragons rule set and then came up with a game system for it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of mean. And then I played it and I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like that. But then, uh, you know, <laughs> I uh, did... a weirdly accurate description. Yeah, and then I got to actually, uh, I think it was uh, 94, 95, I got to play it with uh, Ken St. Andre. Mm. Uh, Origins, was that? Mr. Stormbringer himself. Well, yeah, Mr. Tunnels and Trolls, too. Yeah, he was but, the guy who came up know. with it, but... Yeah, I uh, told him I was a Marine. He made me drop and give him 20 at the time. But nice guy. Uh, um, Tough DM. Yeah. Don't don't be mentioning your Marine, and the Marines around him. I, I guess he doesn't like them. But, uh, yeah, so um, it is a good game. But uh, a lot of the other systems that uh, we just wanted to mention was... I mean, when you think of die six systems and the, the percentile rolls and stuff like that, yeah, back in the day, you only had the two uh, D20s, or and one was marked and one was not, or one was the 10s and one, you know, by whatever means you had. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty nice when, you know, those uh, were, the dice were around. But. Well, I got to say, I, I liked the description of some of these more recent systems mm. on making use of dice. Uh, that was new on me. I was not familiar with this. Uh, and I have, like, an incredible soft spot for any occasion where I learned something new. Uh, so that was a win-win for me. I just, yeah. I sat there with, like, bated breath. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, man. Cool. Because uh, I get like that over new ideas. Uh, now, admittedly, uh, I have grown very fond of the the classic old uses of dice but seeing people innovate with them never stops being awesome oh yeah and all we were basically doing was just celebrating the hard-working and humble d6 so salvage from every yahtzee and monopoly board game set in your collection <laughs> and coming a, to a table near you not a dice game left in the house with uh you know mm-hmm. <laughs> anything left where'd the yahtzee dice go whoa Oh, all right, kid. Get your Warhammer gear out and lend me back my dice. Warhammer? Well, I mean, you know, you played the minis game. Well, sure, but uh, by that time, you know, uh, (laughs) Kaplow, you know, was uh, definitely cranking out the D6s. When they all disappear, you know your kid's gotten into Shadowrun. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? We were playing D&D. Fireballs you know, required 10 die 6, man. There's not a die 6 left in the whole neighborhood. That's right. <laughs> Casting a fireball, and I'm using every D6 in the next three-county area. Oh. All right, so, all right, well, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, once again, keep the calls coming in. We enjoy hearing from you. And, uh, yeah, stay off the drugs, kid. Uh, we're going to be uh, getting with some PSA of our own. Doing a little Anchor app podcasting advertisement. And uh, so stick around for that, and we'll be back after the break. All right, and we're back. So hopefully you stick around for all that. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty intense. Yeah, that was uh, Jason on Dice. or That's why you don't do dice, kids, because that's what happens with to your dice. They get Jason. This is Jason. This is Jason on Dice. This is your dice on Jason. <laughs> Any more questions? <laughs> no, we kid, we kid. Now I want an egg with a frying pan. I know all of that. I yeah, just, I want. I really do. Uh, now I want scrambled eggs. Uh, I'll right. just take mine fried. Little bacon on the side. Like my brain cells. Yeah. 
All right, well, so speaking of brain cells, uh, what's left between us uh, is going to be used to make this podcast. So let's see if we can muster up a couple. What's our topic tonight? Well, we're glad you asked. Uh, no, you've been waiting with bated breath or breath baited. Not, or bait breath. Bait breath, yeah. You know. <laughs> One, two. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about bad, wrong, fun. And uh, we have covered about doing things the wrong way. We and touched upon something very similar, uh, although... You know, we're we're going to extemporize, a, you know, move a little wider, you know. Yeah. Uh, there are an enormous number of permutations of what we could call bad, wrong, fun. Uh, and we're, we're just going to try and, you know, hit the high notes here on uh, probably the biggest no-nos of them all. Yeah, and if you think that uh, we're calling anybody out in the carpet, please no. don't. We've done our boneheaded share of stuff over the years. And if anything, this is less an explanation of what other people are doing wrong and more an explanation of what we've learned for a fact does not work because it's happened. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even things that you would think, oh, my gosh, those guys seem so nice. They would never do anything that stupid. No, you would be wrong. Okay, uh, at one point or another, we were in our teens and or our 20s. We dropped the ball. Uh, we were the monkey humping the football. You know, we we have worn the clown shoes. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is life experience. Actual photos talking. to prove it, too. <laughs> Glossy color 8x10s of nothing but the clown shoes. Um <laughs> And while we haven't really changed all that much. Here's clown shoes and plaid pants with a paisley shirt. Oh, oh, Lord. Man, what is this? My my elementary school graduation photo? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, at least you graduated. Not actually kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I... I have photographic evidence of plaid and paisley being worn by myself at the same time. Uh, it's a thing we, we don't like to admit, but I, I think it's actually important that we just come clean and say, yeah, all right, this was a thing. This happened. You know, mistakes were made. Mm, lessons uh, were learned, maybe. And uh, the important thing is that we learned the lesson from it, that we looked at that and we said, okay, maybe that wasn't our hottest idea. And if you let go of the whole ego attachment... Uh, and you just acknowledge, ah, you know what, that didn't go over well. Um, I'm going to retool, I'm going to go back to the drawing board, and I'm going to come back to the table next week with something better. Here's a, you know, like today I learned a thing I won't do twice. Uh, and that's a little more what this is about. Less, so-and-so is a bad person. Don't really care. Don't personally know a so-and-so to refer to. So... Right, this very is, much you know, like here's some mistakes that we've made that we would like to not do twice. And also, if there is some uh, call out culture on this. It is observations from the sidelines, watching other people screw it up, and then trying to double down on it. I, I'm going to start right there. That's yeah. that's a good place yeah. to start. Doubling down, okay. Having been there, you know, all right, and it's a sin we've done, okay. I right. Mean, in, in full candid confession, sometimes it took weeks and or months. To walk back something we had done where it was in poor taste or it wounded the feelings of one of our fellow gamers or close friends. And, you know, hard looks, hard stares, some hard Mm. words came out. And occasionally, 
you know, headlocks and noogies and, you know, uh, name-calling and all of that, and then stormy silences for weeks. But eventually, one and or both parties walked it back. Okay, that that's the lesson in this. Yeah. We uh, well, I was we just went, referring to, not to those bad dude, rule calls. I was wrong. The bad rule calls that ruin a game right on the spot. You know, things that just... You know, did you have to remember the cumbrance rules for jumping when everything was going just right and you were just about to have the, the party decided to come up with this extrapolated idea to jump the mule while feeding it potions of speed and uh, bull strength to jump over the chasm? You, and then you decided to invoke the encumbrance rules? Well, they're very important. Well, yes. Um, if you... if the one argument that I've ever heard that if house rules were intended to be part of the game was, if they didn't want house rules to be a part of the game, then why did they put encumbrance in there? Uh, well, I... And so, you know, we, sometimes you invoke a rule at the wrong time. If everybody's having fun and the suspension disbelief is, is perfectly suspended or incredulously so, just go with it, you know, and sometimes invoking all those, uh, you know, fiddly bits of rules and little uh, back notes in the book, uh, the back of the DM's guide, can sometimes ruin a game. Now, I, I'm going to be very specific here. If, in a situation like that, the encumbrance rules had been followed by the letter throughout the game, that's one thing. However, if you're just really looking for a way to hose the players... And you invoke this rule having ignored it the rest of the game. Okay, you've dropped the ball. Yeah. Okay, the suspension of disbelief, that's that's more of an the DM is out to get me moment. Where, wait, this wasn't a rule five minutes ago when I was moving at a pace of 30. When, like, you could theoretically have had me down to a pace of 18. Uh, okay, you know, they've got a point. At that point, the DM is grudge matching. Like, I am not going to... You know, I, I really wanted you to lose all your stuff. Hey, we're just feeding the mule, Trixie, uh, potions, and using the missability guide on the DM's guide table, and uh, oh, just geez. seeing what's going to happen. You know, and now she's just she's super fast and super strong, and she's going to carry this whole cart across the chasm. We're out of here. Oh, oh missability chart. It's yeah. more like spray misty for me. Yeah. <laughs> and if everybody's having fun. That's another thing. It's another thing when. Um, you know, uh, a player who has uh, not really been familiar with the rules suddenly comes in and they're hit full uh, upside the head with our full facial, facial collision with the Tome of Rules and told, and told nothing more than just read these rules and get on board with our game. And you throw a person into that and you wonder why they uh, leave the table. You know, that's another uh, bad, wrong pun is that, well, that's the way we play. Well, okay, but, you know, sometimes it's good also to walk it back and say that, uh, you know, having, um, taking a side uh, adventure off of the night for the night to get the new players worked into the rules and introduce the player to the concepts and the way that the group plays as well as the styles is a really good idea for newbies. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to call this consistency, okay? This is going to be our number one section. Consistency. If you're just sidelining people out of the blue because yeah, they're walk. inexperienced, they're, they don't know the rules system, uh, I mean, and you're just hammering them to hammer them because they wouldn't know better to have 
stopped it. Uh, you know what? It's okay to come out from behind the screen a moment and make sure that people are on the same page as you. Because uh, if you've ever been blindsided in a football mm -hmm. game, you yep. know, just pow! Oh! It's not fun. It's not a thing people enjoy. Uh, it's not a thing gamers enjoy. So I, I don't want to call it bad, wrong, fun per se, but you can do this smoother. You can do this better. There is a higher level to reach towards. Reach towards that because we've done it. It's happened to us. This is a legitimate thing where we dropped the ball. Uh, we were very hard on our fellow players and we made a determination to do better. Yeah, so when, you know, you have a new player show up rather than just throwing them into the mix, and especially if they don't know the rules, the last thing you need to do with bad, wrong, fun is expect them to catch up. Here, here's a book. Just create a character and we'll teach you the rest. It, it can be daunting, first of all, joining a new group of people. Secondly, it can be daunting when you just have started to grasp the basics of the rules and you're basically expected to show up cold, create a character, and get into the mix of it the action and a campaign that's maybe been running for a while. And so rather than throwing players into the deep end of the pool, sometimes it's better to take a step back when there's new people showing up and just say, hey, let's do a one-off for one night. Uh, now, just as I called the first point consistency of applying the rules, uh, number two, I'm going to call excessive expectations. Okay? at You get people who come and go. And in almost every case, an arriving player, new or old, is coming to have fun. And if you put a very high expectation on what they have to deliver to satisfy you, uh, you're going to run into conflict a lot. Uh, because most of the time, people looking for leisure time activity, uh, laid-back fun, laughs, uh, amusement and distraction are probably not going to be aiming for a super intense, high-impact role-play extravaganza on par with voice acting. Uh, now, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen and that there aren't people who don't expect it, but my general impression uh, of gamers is that they're there to have fun, and putting a new arrival or or even a more uh, familiar face on the spot and putting very high expectations on them, I, it can be a mistake. And it's a mistake, once again, that I think both of us have made uh, countless times uh, where I've been sitting in the DM's chair and I had high expectations. There was something I was trying to achieve and I put what I wanted to achieve ahead of the players. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm 100% sorry because part of this is art and part of this is science. You know, some of this is math and some of this is poetry. Um, I was aiming for a beautiful thing. And you know what? I was disappointed only because my expectations were way too high for an occasion that involved six other different people with very different visions who had gone through a completely different day than I had, and came to the table that day with maybe something different in mind. So high expectations, we're not saying having high expectations 
is bad, wrong fun. But letting that pit you against the players, especially new players with very little understanding of exactly what they're up against, that would be a, a really... I, I think that's a pretty reasonable mistake. Yeah, and it's one that you can make in the heat of the moment. Let's face it, you work hard at crafting and creating a campaign, getting it running, and a lot of players just show up for the yucks and a few other things and free pizza. Hey, that's perfectly fine from where I uh, sit at the other side of the screen, as long as everybody's having fun. But a lot of times I've become so immersed into my own game that I've forgotten how to welcome new players. And it's something that I struggled with for a number of years. And then I think that I've achieved a pretty good balance in the last decade or so of really welcoming new players and breaking it down, um, even uh, to keep the expectations of the old guard, who have kept the home fires burning, so to speak, using so many allegories tonight. Man, just burning my allegory book up. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they've, you know, they've done the job. They've done the task that has been asked of them. And here comes a new player, so everything has to grind to a halt. And they're like, you know, oh boy. So how I try to uh, break it apart is just to sit down and uh, give a like a little half-hour session explaining how the game is played, some of the expectations, and basically helping get a character created and put out there so everybody can start playing and enjoying at the same level. Not a bad idea. You know, and there's only so much you can do in that limited amount of time. Of course, I think the best way is to take a quick break and just play a one-off game. Now, there's a lot to be said but, for having an open mind and just, you know, if you've got to introduce somebody into not so much the style in which the game itself is played, but the style with which your group plays, and you need a little time, okay? They need some practice time. They've got to be in there and see who does what. How do they react? Uh, what's the order of events? What are the styles of play that the other players are using? And they need time to fit into that. You know what? It's probably worth it to not disrupt your primary campaign. And just take, like, hey, I've ironed out a little three-game mini uh, campaign. Oh, well, yeah. Like, you get people, walk them through, you know, do uh, a few sessions with that. Then... Phase the new arrival into your main yeah. campaign. And, well, I mean, a three game is is pretty good. I guess That's I, a bit that much. was yeah. The, I guess that if I had to do a three game one, I would collect as many newcomers as I had, or a relatively inexperienced players, and try to get them uh, started out on their own and uh, understand to uh, how to play the game and some of the expectations I might have as a DM as well as uh, their fellow players. But yeah, it's avoiding the FNG. The, Frickin' new guy syndrome that uh, often crops up sometimes in games can be problematic because then other players tend to resent it. They were really invested in the storyline or the characters where they were going, oh, hey, I was just going to craft a new ring for my character. My clerk, you know, Melkor the Wise, he's really been working hard on this. And, uh, gee, I, I, you know, I only got so many hours in a day to devote to the gaming. Or, or, yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, that guy kind of is also, yeah, Bob Herzog, yeah, you know who you are. Uh, you can just wait one it's not going to kill him to wait till next week to find out what happens to his uh, half elf cleric but hey I have shuffled games so many times that uh, it it does not intimidate me in the slightest Yeah. Uh, however there are people who 
they have a very limited amount of time, and it's so hard to schedule uh, joining a gaming group. Uh, the perennial meme about like the greatest challenge of gaming is getting six people into the same building on the same day, same hour, uh, for a few hours a week and or a month. Uh, yeah, you know what? It does foster a certain amount of resentment. Uh, however, that said, it is also, as unfair as it may be, it is a part of the DM's job to combat that. Not to augment it. Don't make it worse. Yeah. Don't turn people against each other and make right. them despise one another. This is not... You know, <laughs> uh, I have spoken. This is the way. Mm. Uh, it is not a thing that DMs should do. We're, we're not about creating strife. I mean, the, the principal purpose of a DM is to be an entertainer. Uh, to deliver an experience. Uh, to help filter a world through your perspective and then into all of these other people's perspective. And that's kind of a mighty awesome chore. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, when I said running face person to the rules or using them as a bludgeon, it can sometimes people call it gatekeeping. Um, I tend to agree with that in a lot of parts, but I don't think it's gatekeeping when you're using, like, that's your expectation. Hey, we're going to play using these rules, and this is what their uh, the expectation is. You know, we can help explain it to you or break it down. But if somebody really feels like it's going to be a stumbling block, it's also all right to say, like, hey, you don't want to play in that kind of uh, campaign. That's not the thing for you. Uh, all right, you know, maybe uh, good luck, or maybe uh, sometime uh, we'll, you know, You'll come back, or we'll uh, join you in a game someday. Okay, and we're, we're going to call this, uh, I, I would call this point three, rigidity of dogma. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and on the rigidity scale, okay, here's here's two counterexamples, okay? Uh, number one, out of the gate, would be an example of somebody just saying, hey, you know, we use the die 20 system here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the player is not comfortable with the die 20 system and you both part ways amicably, I don't think any DM is wrong for saying, hey, I'm, I'm currently in a campaign and we're using the die 20 system. Uh, that's, that's how we play this game. That is not gatekeeping. Okay, that is not in any oh, way yeah, gatekeeping absolutely. at all. That's... That is, you know, you have a system that you're working with, you've made it clear what that system is, and if the other person doesn't like it, they walk away. Now, counterexample, mm -hmm. okay, a person who comes to a new table and the threshold for entry is an absolute and complete understanding of the entirety of 3.5 plus most of its minutia and secondary publications. <laughs> Which, if you know about how many secondary publications of 3.5 there were. This is a huge body of work. Um, holding somebody to that standard is tantamount to saying, we don't want you here. And placing that unreasonable expectation upon new arrivals is really just a backhanded way of saying, I didn't intend to say yes to you in the first place, but I didn't want the awkwardness of just admitting that I was planning to say no. Um, it's honestly more honorable to just come forward, be a man about it, 
or a woman, you know, be an adult, step forward like a grown-up and say, I'm sorry, I have a full group with people that I really like and we're doing exactly what we want right now, but thank you for asking. And leave it at that. Walk away. Uh, the creation of incredibly rigid dogmas meant to lock people out of the game without having to take any flack for it. I, you know what? Take the flack. If you truly believe in what you're doing, if you have a darn good reason mm. to have exactly the people at your table that you have and no more, then so be it. That's okay. It's not necessary to create an almost ludicrous standard by which people are judged. Right. That's not cool. That's a bad, wrong, fun moment. Right, and that's, you know, these are the three uh, ones I wanted to get into, and I was a little inarticulate about the uh, one. Running face first into the rules was what I meant to say, and I mushed it up. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, thanks, for Mike, for salvaging that for me. And uh, that led to the third point, which was when you use your rules or your campaign as literally a gatekeeping, and Mike surmised it exactly how I would uh, have done it, is that when you use the rules to keep people away from your table and say, you're not wanted here, you're doing it wrong, okay? Now, and this, we're guilty of this, okay? We're talking about that there are times where we have failed in being as open and as communicative as we would have liked to be because we have five or six other people that are clamoring for our attention. Oh, and one person especially just, in my late teens and early 20s. Yeah, and we, had so many, at it. and we had so many people trying to join, and, you know, we only had so much time and energy to devote to this kind of hobby. And sometimes you can get over your head. And I think this is one of the good reasons uh, these days that I think people have now, uh, the last part I want to get into is the Mercer effect. What pray tell is the Mercer? The Mercer effect. effect. Okay, so Matt Mercer, critical role. Uh, a lot of people, and I think uh, it's overblown. I mean, that's my personal take on it. Um, I said that, you know, there's players out there that now they've seen critical role and they expect DMs to play it like that, even though that's not how Matt Mercer or any of the people who play in critical role even say, like, hey, do it your own way, figure it out for yourself. That's what we did. We're just nerds playing D&D. &D, so. Oh, I don't think people can really be blamed for expecting... Uh, to aim for that. Well, uh, right, it's, but it's, it's, it's set a, a certain standard in people's minds and expectation, and not every DM is Matt Mercer, nor should they be. Everybody is individual. And I think that, you know, um, Seth Skarkowski talks about it as well, is the Jeff effect. You know, he heard, had a player uh, that, uh, you know, oh, you're a good DM, but you're not as good as Jeff. You know, the other DM I play under, you know, he does it so well. And, you know, he kept elevating his game and changing it up. And, you know, and he, this player would just never give him any accreditation. Like, yeah, you're all, it's okay, but I think Jeff would have run it better. So finally, one wow. day he got to meet this Jeff and this Jeff and him were at the same party and they were like, oh, you're Seth and you're Jeff. Man, I've heard so much about you. Yeah, I know. I mean. You're such a great DM, Jeff. I don't know how I live up to you. And he said, what are you talking about? The other players are just always talking about you, how great you are and how what a wonderful <laughs> campaign, immersive you are, and how accommodating you are to his needs. And what it is is that this player unintentionally was putting standards to each one that neither one could meet and was missing the points of the great parts of the campaign that each one brung. And it was only in the presence or and absence of the other that... It, 
came to mind in him. Okay, now that is an interesting story, this Mercer effect that, uh, you know, people are measuring themselves according to the perceptions of others. And you know what? Uh, that is kind of the part of the, G, of, of the GM. Whomsoever is running the game measures their performance by the response of the players. And if one player is particularly vocal and the others haven't given you a lot of feedback, you might actually get a mistaken impression of how you're doing. You might think that you're missing the ball somehow, uh, and it's not always true. Or other players come and they talk about somebody like Matt Mercer or another DM they see online or streaming, and they talk about, well, this guy did it this way. And sure, it's one thing to say, hey, this is my game, I'm going to do it my way, and but... You know, there's nothing wrong with being that DM who also says, oh, really? So how did they do it? You know, be open to counter-criticism that isn't being leveled at you, but is a moment to grow. Yeah. And that's, it's a tough... If it's it, not aimed at you in a mean-spirited fashion. If they come there and you're like, you're not as good as Matt Mercer. Well, yeah, they're kind of being a troll, so... Yeah, yeah you should probably recognize that, too, which... Again, DMing being a great deal like a form of artistry, you're going to get reviews, and you've got to take them with a grain of salt, much like anybody who writes a movie or directs a movie, mm -hmm. uh, anybody who is any kind of creative at all, anybody who writes a, you know, any book. In any creative endeavor, you will be criticized. It's going to happen. This is a foregone conclusion. Not all of those reviews are going to be positive. The only thing you can really do is sit down, and if you detect a consistent thread, like if six reviews in a row or six comments in a row revealed that your narration stumbles, and I felt a little uncertain about where we were, you know what? That's an indication. Go back to the drawing board. Have no shame about it. Don't have ego about it. Just go, you know what? I'm going to work on my narration. Uh, and look for those hot tips. You know, ask very pointed questions. Like, where exactly did it stumble? Uh, but don't let it turn it into a hostile relationship or a quit moment. Right. Because nothing... I, Look, everybody it, has but, a good day, everybody has a bad day. You're, yeah. You could do as much prep work and homework before the game, and you just get to the game and just, you know, your energy leaves you, or you get some bad news, or something takes you off your game. Has happened to me, literally. And you don't want to let everybody down, so you just go through the motions. Sometimes, you know, okay, there's no wrong or right about that. That's just what it is. That's a decision you made. Stick to it. And, you know, if people are like, oh, I thought you were really down, or you just you seem distracted. Yeah... It's a little down, but don't make it a big production. Just say, you know what, I'm going to do better. And just like Mike says, it doesn't really take a big, uh, long look at it. Just sometimes do your prep work, get yourself uh, excited for the game, uh, take care, do a little self care, as well as just understand that you're human and you're going to make mistakes. But just have fun doing it. As long as you're with friends, no one really cares. You know, and true story, uh, I dropped the ball as a DM really badly once, and it was up in Lansing. Um, not my proudest moment. I had a lot of great games while I was living in Lansing, and I had a terrific crew. I enjoyed every game that we played together. However, I was busy 
Uh, I had packed up the place that I had lived before uh, and with great difficulty packed everything into storage with a kudo to uh, certain old friends of mine who actually showed up and totally helped me move. Uh, I got everything into storage and <laughs> uh, to be candid, I was living kind of wild and rough. Uh, I was uh, shacked up at uh, a place temporarily while I was deciding where I was going to go next. And the last game that I played in Lansing, I passed out as a DM about three and a half hours into the game. I, I made it to like hour three. I had really expected to make it to hour six. However, I had had so little sleep and so little rest that I keeled over behind the screen. Literally happened to me. Okay, as embarrassing as it may be, you know, and this was, this was not me at 50. This was me at uh, 32 or 31. Uh, I was so overwrought, so tired, that I keeled over in mid-game. As the DM. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to uh, kimono full frontal here. You know, it's all off. Everything uh -oh. is wagging in the breeze. Um, these are mistakes that happen. Just own them. There mm -hmm. is zero shame. This is a this is a zero shame <laughs> podcast. We're not big fans of like, oh, you're a terrible DM for doing that. Uh, no, not that vibe at all. Uh, the the real point is that there is always room for improvement, uh, not only for other DMs but also for us right now, even now. Age yeah, 15. nobody's. 30 plus years of gaming, 40 years of gaming almost, still room for improvement. Yep. And, you know, I have a tendency to wind myself up into complex narratives and Gordian knots of mystery and intrigue. And sometimes players lose track of that, you know, and I look and I say, well, didn't you take notes? Oh, well, I didn't. And, you know, and then we both have to kind of shrug because maybe I made, it wasn't that they failed to make notes. I also may have made it so complex that even I have a hard time unraveling it without help from the players. <laughs> and that's where I'm at. I've also had a, I had an RPGA where I had two guys show up and they gave me terrible reviews. And, you know, I was kind of like crestfallen. I'm like, man, I really worked hard to do this. What, where did I go wrong? And I, you know, was kind of a little downtrodden about myself. And I talked to another DM and he says, oh, those guys? Oh, yeah, they're just uh, lunkheads. They just, they want a bunch of free tickets uh, for a canceled event. And now they're just going around just being jerks to everybody. Oh, wow. And sometimes you have that too, you know. And so you can take a lot of negativity from people. And, you know, like Mike said earlier, <laughs> you want to take it as a kind of, take it with a grain of salt. If you look at it and you say, yeah, you really screwed it up. And this is where you need to uh, reevaluate where you may have messed up from, then yeah, do that. But if it's just something that I don't know where this is coming from and they didn't elaborate other than you suck, um, then yeah, all right. Apply the grain of salt, cope, you know? Uh, yeah, you're going to have some people, sometimes your style, there's nothing wrong either that your style didn't meet the expectations of somebody else. Maybe they just wanted a lot of combat, not a lot of narrative. Or maybe they wanted a lot of narrative and you gave them a lot of combat. Yeah, there is There's very little you can do 
to change their opinion of that event. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you did a bad job. Or they were a terrible people. Yeah, so the bad wrong fun only comes in when you're completely inflexible on the subject and you learn nothing from your experiences. That's the only bad wrong fun. If you're continually learning and adapting, you are already nailing it. Right. And so you can't be too hard on yourself. So... And Any, we've already covered long ago the genuine mean-spiritedness. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're literally just chasing people away uh, out of an intense loathing of strangers who are different from you, okay, yeah, obviously that's pretty wrong. Because mm. uh, I've known an awful lot of different people, and frankly, coming from a pretty boring background, I owe gaming for having introduced me to a lot of people I never would have met. Uh, and who came from very different backgrounds than my own. And man, have I enjoyed playing games with them. I mean, I am not kidding. Some of the funniest and happiest moments of my life have been spent at a table with people that I literally had no business in any way communicating with. Business. I, I had no <laughs> business. I, I, I didn't belong at that table with them in the normal world. But in the world of gaming, we crossed all boundaries. You know, we threw away the the standard sterilizing effect of suburbia, and hmm. we became friends. Uh, so, you know, here's this incredibly transformative moment, uh, and there are people just adamantly insisting that that moment be removed from gaming. And I'm like, what are you, are you kidding? That's like half the draw. That was some of the best part of it. I met a lot of new people who gave me a lot of insight into the world and a lot of entertainment at the table uh, and, frankly, enriched my life, point blank. Mm -hmm. There's no better way to put it than that I came away better for those experiences. I I, I can't put it any better than that. I mm. came away richer for having experienced those things uh, than I was before them. All right, then. Well, I think that that is a good place to end it. I think if that's the best thing that came out of gaming, I think that we would all be a much happier and much more merry folk. Oh, we would at that. I I cannot contravene that in any way. Contravene. Uh, We'd be remiss if we didn't say contravene once in a while. All right, so... Oh, good yeah. word. <laughs> I broke out the 50 cents. Yeah, you sure did. All right. And he didn't muck it up. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Hope you uh, uh, sat through all that. And uh, we rambled on pretty well. So there was a nice little topic to just talk about bad, wrong, pun. And, of course, if yeah. you have anything you uh, yeah, would like to add to that or what you thought about what we talked about, please share it with us. Uh, get a hold of us on our Facebook page. Or you can, uh, of course, leave us a message on uh, Twitter like I did to Joe. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, <laughs> haunting the Twitter. Oh, yes. And uh, of course, you can also leave us a message and download the Anchor app and uh, leave us one and we'll put you on the air and talk about it. So we hope you do any of those and uh, hope you enjoyed. But until the meantime, may the dice, dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.